1: Hey folks and welcome to Typology, the show in which we explore the mystery of the human personality through the lens of the Enneagram. My name is Anthony Skinner, the producer of the show, and we are thrilled to have you with us today. We have a longtime friend joining us today, Seth Abram, pastor, singer-songwriter, creator and founder of Integrated Enneagram and co-host of the popular Enneagram podcast Fathoms. Seth is an Enneagram 9, and he is an enlightened one. You're going to get a lot from this episode, regardless of what number you are. I know you're going to enjoy it. We're glad you're here. That's it for me, Anthony Skinner. And without any further ado, here's the host of our show, Ian Krohn. Seth everyone. welcome to Typology.
0: Howdy. It's good to be here, man.
1: Man, it is wonderful. I've looked forward to this uh, conversation with a well-trained... Uh, Enneagram Educated 9 uh, for a long long time particularly you we, we've had some connection over the years um, yeah. and uh, I'm excited to catch up with you too because I know that uh, a lot has happened since we had a meaningful conversation so here we yeah. are Enneagram 9 mm-hmm. I want to just start with a question that I like to ask people in general which is what is the Enneagram meant to you as a person?
0: Uh, um, that's a really good question. Um, what it's meant to me is, is largely the word that I tend to use repeatedly over and over when someone asks that question, uh, is my capacity. Mm -hmm. Um, I had no idea how, um, small of a life I was living. Mm. I had no clue that I had closed myself off, that I'd split off uh, vital aspects of, of who I am internally in order to become my full self, my true mm. self. I had no idea uh, that I was living such a small version of me. And so one of the biggest reasons that I've gotten into the Enneagram, especially so deeply, is that it's, it's, um, it's just shown me what what am I capable of. Mm. And I've just been overwhelmed by the idea of that. I have like spurts sometimes, different uh, moments in life where I'm like, Oh boy, here we go. What can I do now? You know? And other times I forget about that stuff, but it's it's just been it's been a, a wake up call for me to um, man, what what am I here for? And what has been hindering me from becoming what I'm here for as well.
1: I love that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so good. You just so articulated what I hope everybody would describe there, <laughs> what the enneagram has has come to mean to them, and you 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 articulated it so beautifully and with such passion. Mm. I, I
0: thank you. I love that. I love that. I love that. And I yeah, well, it's, that's the thing is it's woken up passion in me too. Right? There wasn't there wasn't tons of that before. I am more comfortable with with the with the passion that Seth, you know. Mm. Yeah. Gosh, that's good. You
1: know, I remember. When I first moved to Franklin, you were working at the Frothy Monkey.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I helped and, open up the, the Franklin Frothy Monkey. And you were a young, young guy. I mean, how old were you, 22, yep.
1: 23? I don't know how old you were.
0: I'm horrible at math. I'm 36 now. No! I don't remember when that was open. Oh, wow. my gosh. Is it that long ago?
1: <laughs> oh, well. Man, um, yeah. I can actually feel the change in your life force from when you were a younger man. Mm-hmm. Mm. uh you were more i would say the word i would i would use two words to describe you and again being a little presumptuous, this is all you know my first impression kind of stuff but i
0: right. i pay
1: attention to those sorts of things very carefully i'm not i really do pay attention to what people are like when I meet them. Yeah. I would say that when I first met you, you felt vague mm-hmm. and and tamped down yeah uh you were a very yeah. quiet chill laid back guy charming. Really, really, the kind of person mm-hmm. that you know has a large circle of peaks, you know, around you, but it was it was yeah. a little tamped. But is that describing a, a sort of an unawake nine?
0: I uh, I I would say so. Yeah, I mean I'm I. I, I do the sexual nine thing primarily. So, my charming is you don't know your socks aren't on anymore. Yes. <laughs> you never saw them being taken off. <laughs> um, uh, you know, you charm the socks off of somebody, right? Right. Uh, and yes, and I was I've 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 largely been ambiguous and uh, more environmental as a person. Yes. Mm. Be- because dispersing m- me is how I can have the imitation of peace. Um, and it's how, well, if I have ground to stand on, well, then that means uh, we could be different and we could disagree. And, well, that's that's going to cause disruption. But, yeah, I, I would definitely say that one of the major things I've learned, um, one of my favorite quotes from uh, Cynthia Bourgeau, I don't know if you've read her, but she oh, yeah. says, wisdom isn't knowing more, it's knowing with more of you. Mm-hmm. And so um, from the nine perspective, I, I have really learned that um Harmony isn't about making other people more significant, because that's what feels like peaceful for me. Mm. It's actually being more significant with more of me. Mm. And that's what I would say you didn't experience, and hopefully maybe that's what you're getting now. Yeah, but what I'm picking up now, obviously, is more maturity. That's obvious. But but secondly
1: is the passion with which you're speaking. And Mm. and I can, I don't know, you probably can too, right? With different types, uh, you pick up the somatic energy, right? Yeah. Uh, And it it just radiates. Sometimes I'm around a social four. For those of you listening who aren't familiar with subtypes, that's the more iconic four where you can sometimes feel the melancholy radiating off them. Actually, the suffering Mm -hmm. radiating off them. You don't feel that on self-pressed fours like me because we have more of a sunny disposition on the outside. It's definitely that on the inside, but not Mm -hmm. on the outside. Uh, And just seeing your passion, you're more electric. You're more carbonated. Uh, in your presentation, which is lovely to see, man, it's just lovely yeah. when I see a nine in, in that space. Thank you. You know, um, I have a question for you that maybe you can solve a mystery. Hmm. So, uh, my audience, uh, we did an analysis of you know email list and audience listeners, blah blah blah. Because I just want to figure out who are these people, right? Hmm. I want to know who my audience is. The two uh, numbers. That listen to our podcast more than any other numbers. And the two numbers that are on my email list, are, you know, the two numbers most interested in the Enneagram.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Nines are first. Hmm. The second one is ones. Now, I understand why ones would be because they want to tap into any sort of thing that has to do with self-improvement.
0: Right. right?
1: So, okay, that, that makes, at least that makes some sense. Why do you think nines would be the number one type that would listen to an Enneagram podcast and subscribe to newsletters and and all that stuff? Because you wouldn't think that nines and sloth tend to be lazy
0: about self-development. I I have potentially a a semi-helpful answer. Um, And you can see me already sort of tamping down the the value I'm about to give you. no I, I I do think there's there's a a massive part of the the the, the structure of that any type nine that is about um, vicariously embodying myself through something else, mm-hmm. and there is a lot of uh, capacity when when other people talk about what they're capable of coming from this thing and it's like, what if I could be that well, if I just keep listening to it over and over. Maybe I'll become it, you know, by whatever you call that when you put a book up to your head and that's not going to hide. Osmosis. Read it. Mm-hmm. Osmosis. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's an aspect of it. Like I'm trying to find embodiment through just, you know, there's a, Oscar de Chazzo, he talks about the an Ingram of traps, and the trap for the nine is self-abasement, and it's mm-hmm. this sort of like seeking externally all the things outside of me to substantiate me, mm. um, but without any sort of ground, internal, interior ground. There's nothing actually for information to attach to. Mm. It is one in one in in one ear, not the other. And and so I just wonder if it's some form of spiritual bypass. Mm. If that if that makes sense, yes. I- I'm sure you know this term. I think it was oh, from yeah. John. John Wellwood, who who first came up with it, but yeah, some form of spiritual bypass. How's that? <laughs> uh,
1: I I absolutely agree. I I think that nines um, sometimes you get a sense that they're not Velcro enough. Mm-hmm. That as you were saying, something goes in one ear and out the other. That that uh, like a lot of nines I know have lots of information flow, lots of it, but it doesn't yeah. seem to. S- to the inside and integrate and then find its way out in new behaviors or new ways of being in the world it just kind of uh, passes through like through a pipe and then yep. never goes down into the warp and the woof right. of, of the person so I I totally see that and uh, and I do think part of that to a point you made earlier is that nines when they're not awake when they're not and I'm going to come back to this word in a in a minute. F- differentiated, um, yeah. they um, there's a there. You use the word environmental, and I would say the an, a not a, a nine who's not awake is they're atmospheric. Mm. It, it's as though there's not a a defined person there. It, it's almost an atmosphere of peace, of passivity, of um, uh, low energy, <clears throat> uh, yeah. and. Now I'm talking about a very unhealthy nine, right? Yeah. I, I'm not talking about a person like you or other nines on the journey of transformation, and I think it's hard for anything to stick in that environment.
0: I totally agree. Um, one of my favorite Enneagram teachers named Tom Condon. He says, in his typing experience, when he's you know eight of the types. You're looking for something real specific, right? Mm-hmm. But for the nine, you're looking for what's not there. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So much of it is about, um, the thing is, if, if I am here, well, that's the scariest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, um, so my wife and I, uh, we, we've got three kids and our first actual pregnancy we lost. Mm-hmm. And I remember we were, I just watched it. I was watching my wife almost from this disassociated distanced place, feeling the pain of this this news coming in. And it wasn't until like, in the parking lot where it's like, finally, I asked her, is this a miscarriage? I, I couldn't put the two things together because there wasn't the safety of, of disassociating, of, of this indolence piece, of, of um, um, separating myself from the actual experience so I don't be affected by it. That's the passion, mm-hmm. this unwillingness to be affected by my experience. Um, I, I couldn't even figure out if this was actually what they call a miscarriage Mm -hmm. and fast forward we've got two kids and then uh a third one now and he's he's just over one years old but i remember being in the room this dark room it's the same room that we experienced hearing the heartbeat for the first time with with the other kids and that's a that's a scary place to be because you don't you don't always know are you going to hear and i just remember coming in to the room and because of the practice Over years I just remember realizing I'm not here yet I'm not gonna experience this so I had to say out loud this is mine Mm -hmm. this is my experience I'm going to feel this no matter how hard how painful how amazing how exciting it is I'm gonna uh, be affected by this and I think that's an example of two different versions if you will of there's not anybody there I don't even know what this was called
1: We uh, had an interview earlier today, and I was speaking about uh, a question someone asked me. I'm in a 12-step recovery group for people in recovery from drug addiction. Mm. Um, And uh, a person last night in the meeting asked one of those obvious questions that threw me back on my heels. You know, I've Mm. had a few of these in my life. uh, And the question was directed to somebody else in the meeting. They said, are you willing to be happy? (laughs) <laughs> you know, the whole room on Zoom just got really quiet, man, because it was like everybody self-directed the question: Are we, "Am I willing to be happy?" Because it's a kind of an obvious but powerful mm-hmm. question. And mm-hmm. what I hear you, and maybe this is a practice that all nines could embrace, which is to ask themselves the question in moments like that: mm-hmm. "Am I willing to be here?"
0: Love mm. that it's a practice. Am yep. I
1: am I willing to be affected by what's by what life is? inviting me to be affected by at this moment yeah i love that Mm -hmm. i mean that's wonderful seth i mean that's that is such a mature i think and well profound question that you've posed um and and i like what what you've said which is that nines simply don't want to be affected by life Mm-hmm. mm-hmm they literally don't want life to get to them unwilling to be affected oh, yeah the yeah. unwillingness powerful. to be affected by oh, life because yeah. it would disturb yeah. the inner calm mm. the sense yeah. of peace totally uh, it would cause some level of distress and and worse the possibility that desire might arise in the moment yeah
0: that's that's a big one too at at a, in um at its extremes in the past Um, it's felt like I can't even risk even allowing myself to know I have needs, to know what my needs are or what my preferences are. Because if I have them and they end up not being met, the Mm. disappointment and the internal disruption, like you're saying, might be unbearable. Mm -hmm. So I have to like, I think one of the main internal defenses of the nine is, I don't know. Yes. I don't know because to know, would, would bring up the possibility that I don't have yeah, what it takes. I don't have what it takes <laughs> oh, to be man. a part of life <laughs> in a full embodied way. God. I don't have what it takes. <laughs> but, <laughs> bring me home, oh, man. That's so good. <laughs> that is so right on. So <sighs> I do, my, on my, in the back of my head, in my worst days, I fight. How can I be me? I don't, I don't want to be me. I don't want to be me. I mean, this is what has consistently brought me into therapy over the years the most. Uh, to be me is to be here. To be here is to be affected. To be affected is to have capacity. And that's the other side of this. That's the thing I think a lot of people don't know about nines is um, there's another level of when you start waking up and you start realizing you have what it takes, you have capacity, there's another fear for me that at least that comes in. It's like, I don't want to be on all the time. What if I have to be on all the time? That level of expectation of always showing up—I can't do that. Hmm. I can't do that. I absolutely can't do that. That requires too much. Yeah, I can do it to a period, to a certain point. Um, I remember uh, recently, and I'm—I'm I'm telling myself internally right now, it's okay to talk more than you're comfortable talking because this is this is another b- practice of mine. Hey, bro, I don't I'm like how a, much I'm having, I'm having talking, a ball. I'm having a ball. I'm telling man, myself. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> um, I was recently at the gym and I think the gym is vital for uh, body types, especially nines. Um, it's how you feel the sensation of your capacity um, to be motivated, to, to find out what more of this is like. Um, I was at the gym and I had just watched this old clip from Arsenio Hall on on YouTube and I was walking, getting into on the treadmill. I'm getting into it. You know, I'm starting to feel it. And this was a really intense clip and it was making me emotional mm. And I just started running. I hit, I sped up the treadmill and I started running. And immediately I was flooded with two emotions, fear and sadness. Hmm. Because the fear was, holy cow, I feel my capacity rising and I can do anything. Hmm. Here I go. I, but at the same time, oh no, I will have to always do this. And I don't want to always be on. I don't, I want to be able to slow down and have some peace here and, and like rest and um, and sadness yes. of like, oh man, uh, I've forgotten myself a uh, whole hell of a lot lately. I haven't had, I haven't, I've forgotten about any of my capacity.
1: Oh, you know, I'm uh, thinking about um, this uh, wonderful quote, and I'm uh, trying to remember the source. Um, but you know, uh, in many ways, what 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 seems to Uh, frighten people sometimes isn't what's wrong with them it's what's beautiful about them
0: Mm.
1: it's much harder to own your brokenness than it is to own your beauty Mm. because beauty makes a demand on you okay like okay now what are you going to do with it Mm mm-hmm You know, like, you can own your brokenness and just sit back and go, well, you know, I'm just a broken person. And grace, maybe if you're of a Christian tradition, that's going to make up. It's like, yeah, but what are you going to do about your beauty, champ? Mm, (laughs) It's like, you are beautiful. And that's going to make a demand on you in life to do something with it to better the world. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Mm. I'm going to read you a quote and uh, see what you, how you relate to it. And uh, this is from a nine. I got this from Richard Rohr. And I think it's interesting. Uh, the the person writes um, it's a nine. We nines are at bottom great cynics about ourselves and about human nature. We believe that we're worth nothing, and that ultimately nothing is w- worth anything. Hmm. We tend toward resignation. Anyone who wants to help a nine has to look to do something about this deep seated cynicism.
0: Hmm. Yeah. It's a cynicism towards my knowing what I'm uh, capable of. Mm. Um, that reminds me of a story from again uh, Tom Condon, who talks about a nine. It's a fake story, so don't don't worry. Um, he talks about a nine whose house blows up. Crazy, right? Mm-hmm. That's uh, you just lost your house, um, and but the next day he reads in the paper uh that there's a there's a competition he can enter and there's three different prizes he can win uh the first prize is a brand new house well that's amazing i just lost mine in that crazy house explosion um the second one is a new car that'd be great too the third one is breakfast pancakes (laughs) so the nine enters and he finds out he won and he's he's like tension, like I am excited. I won. I might get this house, but he's like holding holding it holding it as hard as he can. And the friend comes up to him and says, "Hey, man, you won, but you won um, pancakes. I know you needed that house, dude. I'm so sorry." And the nine goes, "Oh, it's fine. I love pancakes. Mm. It's mm. this like I'm I'm not going to. I'm so cynical be, towards me feeling disappointment." I'm not going to feel that. I'm not up for it. That's too much for me. That will remind me that I don't have what it takes Mm. to embody my capacity.
1: Wow. That's a great, great illustration.
0: I want to jump on something
1: we were talking um, about before we hit uh, record. And that is about Chazo's teaching about the tension of wings. And I I Mm. really want people to hear about that. So so turn us on.
0: Yeah, yeah, thanks. Um, So oscar right he's this he's the father of the modern enneagram of personality and um he's got this theory that isn't super popular about the wings and mm-hmm. i i'm not the biggest fan of like understanding wings as just additional behavior salt and pepper to your dominant type i think people can use that to try and squeeze themselves into a dominant type that they're trying they can't figure out you know like i don't see myself in this description like totally um Anyway, he talks about how type can actually be thought of as being created by the tension of the polarity of the wings. Yes. So it's kind of like two magnets if you think of when they're opposing each other and what happens uh, when these two tension, the wings are. Um, f- what happens is it sort of forces it creates this this um, person on, on one side. It's the one right. It's the morally above reproach, the compliant type, and then you've got the eight. Um, which is the autonomous and strong, the defiant type. And so you push these things together and what happens? What's the the, the alchemical process that at the same time, these things, two things are happening. Well, it creates somebody that's got to be loving and harmonious and persistent and patient and uh, agile and resistant. Uh, I mean, it's the exact, for me, it's, it is, I feel that tension every day, the compliant and the defiant. And, and what I was mentioning before we got on was this is the two sides of anger. Nines are on a to their anger, right? But this is the two sides of going with anger and going against anger. So this is the, um, if I can compliantly, then what this means is um, it's sort of this idea that I am looking to find my energy um, from an outside source. I think that's one way to say it. Um, so when I'm, like you've been saying, less differentiated as a person. When I'm more of a gas than a solid, um, there's like we've been mentioning. There's no ground then for for this information to attach to. Um, so I'm trying to embody myself through other people, and that's the compliance. Like I'm going along to get along. That's what. It, that's the one um, and the eight, but it shows up. That's how it shows up as the nine. Um, and then, well, basically, I'm trying to substantiate my significance through somebody else that's what it is and i'm actually putting my significance on them to bear that's the sad thing uh but defiantly then um to finish is is it's more i show up more in a actually counter merging style um so i'm resisting actually connecting with people in order to preserve my autonomy because all all body types want autonomy and respect right Mm -hmm. and i think defiant uh defiantly it's it's I'm, I'm not going to. You can see this passive aggression. That's the going against anger for the nine. Hmm. And so, to put all to that together, that is uh, what makes up me every day. I'm just feeling this this tension, this pull of going along and uh-uh.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> no
0: way. Yeah. Right.
1: I, I I've studied that uh, theory that you're talking about these polarity of wings uh, mm-hmm. before, and <clears throat> I think there's a lot of truth to it. I, I know I'm one of these guys with the enneagram that doesn't adhere to any particular school because I feel like I, yeah. I'm, I'm a both and thinker to a fault. <laughs> mm. I'm a little bit like, oh, that's interesting and I can see how that works. And I, I, I'm not right. someone, you know, you know how it is in the Enneagram world. There are particular yeah. schools and they are rivals. Like, mm. there's a lot of rivalry. There's a lot of backbiting. <laughs> there's a lot of competing, you know what I mean? Yep. Competing theories. Yep. And all, I don't really like stuff And That's instinctual variance. People are doing all this stuff. And I don't, I'm like, eh, I don't know. It seems to me that I can find beautiful things in lots and lots of places. And all to say, three and five, I'm a four. And so uh-huh. this, the collision of three and five or the pull, the, this sort of push and pull of three and five, it is so true of my life. Mm. It is so true of my life. Uh, and so I just want to encourage everybody just to maybe begin to think a little bit about how the polarity of your wings might produce this space that you inhabit more than not. How's that? Mm. Um, That's good. Yeah. And and I, I would also say that with you, that or not with you, but in, in general, and maybe we can talk, we, we again mentioned this earlier to each other, but... Um, If we think of ourselves as a house uh, with nine rooms, everybody got nine rooms in their house. But there's one room we like to go to more than any other. Like, you know, I, I, I live in a new house, you know, and yeah. right now. And, and it's amazing how in the first week there's one chair in one room. I just went to over and over and over again until now. It's a habit. Like I just go to that room. Yeah. It, it's a chair in the front room of my house. I have a whole office on top of my garage you would think that I would want to go to my office and just camp out. It's like, no, I just want to go sit by that fireplace in the front room, even though I don't have my big screen there. It's just like, I don't know. I think of that like around type, right? It's mm-hmm. like, I got a room, I got a whole house of nine types right? or yeah. nine rooms representing each of one nine type. I have all nine type energies and resources, uh, know resources, et cetera. Et cetera. Yes. But I just, want to, I do tend to go to one room more than the others and we can call it the four room, but I just tend to camp out there more than other places. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And we were talking just earlier and uh where I think it, it was going was to say to remember that we are not simply a dominant type, right? Mm-hmm. That we we do contain, as you said earlier, all of the Enneagram within ourselves. Yeah. I right, unpack yeah. it. Unpack it some more. I gave it the the, the house idea. You maybe unpack I it love a little that. bit more.
0: That was great. I mean, you just did it. I don't have to talk. No, um, I. I mean, I, I do think I do see the enneagram as a as if it's a if it's a if it's a system and a tool for transformation. Then, um, using it as as sort of celebrating one thing that we one um, idealized self image that we needed to uh, keep up when we were growing up, yeah. and we're still using that as an as an adult. That's like what's the phrase where you're you see everything as a nail and you're... Wow, well, how's that go? You're... Confirmation talking bias? about. bias? Uh, yeah, basically. That's it, yeah. Um, but uh, it's James Hollis that says the protections of the past are the prisons of today. Mm-hmm. And I think our our dominant type is the prison of today that we used growing up because we needed it uh, to get our needs met, you know. But through that process, we learned to split off um, vital aspects of who we are, like the, the fullest... Of expression of of who we are, our true self. Um, We had to use this dominant type pattern to cover over our head, our heart, and our body. And then we idealized one specific essential quality, if you will. For me, it's peace. Um, But until I start um, reintegrating these other aspects of who I am, um, the the eight and the one or my line points, um, I'm not going to actually really be able to attain real peace. Because uh, I think again, real peace is um, about being significant with more of me. Mm. Um, so I think one idea I've, I've had with the enneagram is is this different, the difference between identification and relationship. Mm. So am I in relationship with more and more and more of me? Am I doing shadow work? Am I doing projection work? Right. Um, or am I identified with my ideal? self-image my idealized self-image or this specific aspect um that for some reason my soul has some major sensitivity towards peace harmony Mm -hmm. um so yeah i see the enneagram as a framework for wholeness and uh um yeah that just includes finding unity within ourselves and i think it's uh, uh richard Rohr that said unity is diversity maintained and protected by love Mm -hmm. which I love so much because that is, you can't, you can't integrate what you don't differentiate, I would Mm -hmm. say. Mm -hmm. And so this Mm -hmm. is differentiating the aspects of me that I lost in childhood in order to become a nine. Right. Uh, But now I'm, now I know that I'm not a nine. Well, uh, I need to start reintegrating these other aspects of me in order to become my full self. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, to me, that is what the Enneagram can help us do, this, this framework for wholeness, because it shows us, um, well, there's three different aspects of what the heart actually should look like. And, uh, am I embodying all three of those? There's three different aspects of what the head looks like. Am I embodying all of those uh, in the body? Um, but for some reason, we tend to celebrate one ninth of our personality, and that is uh, not helpful, I think, in what the Enneagram is actually aimed at. Yeah, um, it's Dan Siegel that says all sin is born of denial of relationship. I yeah. love that. So um, let me just sort of help people out with some terms
1: you're using. Um, yeah, yeah. And actually, even recommend some some reading that I think you'll know. Uh, you've used a couple of words here that are really important: differentiation, shadow, integration. Okay, and want everyone to know that these are Jungian terms and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're very important and very – and individuation you didn't mention, but that's, a, that's another Jungian concept. And Jung to me is sort of my hero, right? I mean, I've, mm. And James Hollis is wonderful. I've yeah. recommended his book uh, Finding Meaning in the Second Half of Life about a thousand times. It's one of the very few mm. books I've read probably four times. Huh, wow! Uh, Swamplands of the Soul, uh, the Middle Passage. Uh, mm. I mean, I just have a. I mean, I have a whole shelf of James Hollis books over there. Uh, I'm a, a an enormous fan. I so I recommend his work to everybody. If mm. they want to kind of go on the next stage of the journey, it's not super simple reading, but it's very very rewarding if you mm. undertake the uh, the journey of of digging into it. Yep. And so those are really I- Im- important terms that I just want people to become familiar with. And differentiation is such a big one for nines. Mm. Um, and, and, but it's important for all of us, right? So technically what differentiation means is that we accumulate all these beliefs uh, and what he would call uh, energy-laden beliefs, right? Mm. As little people, right? And um, we adopt the stories that people tell us about who we are right? Uh, And we believe them, and we believe the cultural stories that we're told, and we're, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And differentiation happens at that moment in your life, right? When you say, wait a minute, those are old stories from my childhood. Mm. What's the story I want to tell now? Mm. And you you basically jettison, you know, I'm not daddy's little girl. Mm. You know, I appreciate that, but I'm more than that now. You know, I'm separate. I'm differentiated from you. Nines in particular, I think, struggle with differentiation. Because without an absolute solid sense of self, and because of the problem of fusing and merging with others, it's hard to be different from someone that you are psychologically, emotionally, and spiritually merged with. Mm. Right? And and so I do think, uh, well, let me ask you, does does that sound right? Or, you know, can you refine that insight or you know help us understand (laughs) it more from your perspective
0: yeah um i would say the the fusion the merging piece um it is maybe more heavily in the sexual nine Mm -hmm. um but i think it has to do again with um those two sides of anger um it's it's i can't be so i can't be present to anger and so i must that's where I find out what's impassion- passionate to me and so I have to find I have to take on what's passionate to you in order to f- at least still be a person <laughs> um, uh, actually that reminds me of another quote I'm, I think in quotes I have so many quotes in my that's head that's alright um, it's great from Claudio Naranjo and I think this is a helpful quote for nines too and maybe even in twos uh, he says excessive adaptation to the world would be too painful to endure without self-forgetfulness mm. It's a long one, but it's it's a good one. Um, but I would say, yeah, this 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 uh, this merging thing, this this fusion thing, for me, it's shown up in strange moments, and I'm not proud of them by any means. Where I'm, I've been in some uh, neighborhood um, in a previous house, and there's a bigger uh, n- personality that's that's a neighbor that's coming to me, and I just wanted to go on a walk with my kids. I don't want to talk to you. But my excuse is, hey, my kids need to get somewhere. Hmm. I'm using my kids as a shield. Mm-hmm. I'm not telling you I need to go. I don't have what it takes to be with you right now. I'm going to get lost in you. I know it. Mm-hmm. You're going to want to talk about stuff. So I say, hey, my kids have to go to the bathroom. I can't talk. You know, that's that's almost I'm like losing myself in them. I'm not able to tell him that I, I can't do this. Mm. <laughs> or even at, at parties, I remember I've been with – um, I will stay behind my wife, even physically, because it's just there's so many, there's so much of an overwhelming experience here, and I don't know people, and she does, and so I'm just going to stay behind her and, like, just agree with what she's doing and kind of play along to the stories that she's she's in. Um, that's one aspect I would say. The other side of the, the merging thing is I do think when you start to wake up as a nine. You start realizing that I can't keep doing this because I I need autonomy. So the I'm I've often found myself the more that I'm merged, the more um, I have to separate myself. I have to physically I can't be in the same room as my family, because just energetically there's just even though we're in the same room and nobody's talking this is just too much for me because mm-hmm. the whole day before I got here I was just. You know, <laughs> lost in somebody else or something else, mm. and that's that's actually. I think it's more than it's it is people for sure, but I also think it's things. Like if you look at the space I'm in right now, there's books here, books there. There's a massive bookshelf over here. I have lost myself in books over the years.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it's a and, is that your you know we talk about self narcotizing as the defense mechanism of nines. Yes, and yep. num- and numbing might be another way of doing it. So when desire starts to arise or anger starts to arise uh a call to become self arises food sex drugs alcohol netflix and people don't really exercise people don't but i can just tell you exercise can be a huge one right as a narcotizing kind of a deal as is reading novels and books Yep. is that your numbing agent it's one of them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you, you are a seething cauldron of numbing agents. <laughs> uh, it is. It's become a big one of mine because I had a, like seven years ago, a pretty big deconstruction, if you will. Um, and it was my way of thinking somebody else has done this before. <laughs> so I got to figure out who, uh, how, how you navigate this sure. world. But yeah, it's definitely books for me, but it's, it's TV. I, I have too many, way too many TV shows that I've binge watched right. all the way through. Um, it's plenty of things. I can confess sins right now if you'd like me to. <laughs> I'm a priest. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but here's, here's the
1: thing to be clear, there's nothing wrong with reading. It's a virtue, it's a wonderful thing. There's nothing wrong with Netflix. There's nothing totally. wrong with having a donut. A sleeve might be. A little bit of a hard press, uh, and there's nothing wrong with exercise. These are all wonderful things. The, yep. What what it requires is discernment, right? A- in this moment, am I using this as a way of escape, or is this something I'm doing that is life giving and uh, uh, helping me develop as a as a human being in a in a you know a really generative, healthy way?
0: Totally. If I could put some legs to that from my perspective, um, for me it's it's largely I have l- tried to look recently at the the ratio of how much I'm reading and how much I'm producing. Mm. Because if one of my statements, one of my personal mantras is, I'm committed to having a voice in this world. Ooh. And if that's true, if I'm going to have impact in the world, I have to figure out a little bit better of a balance of how much I'm consuming and how much I'm producing. Mm. And I there's been plenty of times where, I can read 50 to 60 books a year and I put out, hard, I put out one talk, mm. <laughs> you know, and I'm trying to figure out how um, I can sit down and do the hard work right now of really, 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 really like pulling out what is so deeply dispersed inside. That requires a lot of effort um, and it usually means going to the gym first or something or I can just sit down and read another book. I'm good at that. That's really easy, though.
1: Mm. And that's that kind of torpor that nines can fall into. Uh,
0: and, and it's confusing because it feels like I'm doing something good. Mm-hmm. But, but, but it's another way to distract myself.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you know, I oftentimes hear um, nines say, well, yeah, I'm watching, you know, all of Breaking Bad this weekend. But, um, you know, I'm just relaxing. And I will go, no, that's not relaxing. That's drugging. <laughs> You know, uh, that's mm, that's taking it over an edge. (laughs) You know, and and so it is a lot of discernment to figure out: um, Am I over-consuming and under-contributing right now to the world? Am I taking too much and not giving enough back? Uh, I think those are really good questions to for for all of us to ask, but I think for nines in particular, who don't have trouble finding the energy, the inspiration, or the confidence that they can produce mm-hmm. versus just consume, you know? Yep. Yep. You, you raised something interesting earlier that I want to kind of maybe apply to all the types, which is the idealized self. Um, <laughs> and one of the things that we do as a defense uh, against facing the truth of our type is we we begin to make rationalizations, right? And, and see, add on to these if you like, but, uh, you know, sometimes the one, rather than facing their shadow, will just say, well, I'm a good person. Hmm. Or the two will say, oh, well, come on, I'm just a loving person. And, and the three will be, I'm just a successful person. I'm a go get her. The four right. says, well, I'm just a deep feeler. I'm a, I'm a creative person. And the five says, I'm a smart person or I'm an observant person. The six says, I'm a loyal person. The seven says, I'm a joyful person, right? And the eight says, mm. you, know, I'm a, you know, I'm just a powerful person, you know. And the nine says, I'm just a laid back person. And these are actually just rationalizations to cover over the work. Mm. Yeah, You know, does that, did I get the nine right on that one? I'm just, you know, or I'm a nice person. People just say I'm a nice person.
0: Yeah. I'm settled. I'm I'm nice. I'm kind. I'm peaceful. Um, I'm accepting. Definitely. People see me as the most accepting person, usually. Right. Mm-hmm. And when I've
1: gone to the, I'm a creative guy, I'm a sensitive, creative person who's, you know, a little bit of the artist, who's a little self-indulged, blah, blah, blah. It's like, man, you're not doing your work. That's all bullshit. Right. That's just all right. your bullshit. It's like- yeah. Maybe, but that's also just a cover that's the idealized self that you're living behind to to av- avoid doing the hard work of becoming uh all of you completely mm. you uh it's like a, a little bit of a false refuge yeah, you know I want to close up with this about transformation uh and then I, and I want to hear a story that you told once about and which will bring us out uh, to the conclusion around right action right the mm. virtue of the of the nine. Um, we talked earlier about, you know, we, we're a house with nine rooms. We tend to camp out in one more than the others, but really we should try to go out and enjoy the rest of the house. Time. <laughs> we should really go and see, visit the bathroom or, you know, right. uh, the pool room or whatever it is that we have in our house. Um, I just finished a book. In fact, I just sent it in today, the final. Uh, wow. And I know. I've, you know Congrats. I know. It's amazing. Uh, yes. But one of the ideas in it, it's not particularly original, but I do like it and I I've, I've put a different spin on it, which is I believe that spiritual transformation, what it looks like is to inhabit the empty field in the middle of the Enneagram. Hmm. There's that big white space in the middle. In fact, people often ask me, What number was Jesus? You know what I mean? And I'll go, well, you know, if I were to look at all the great spiritual masters, Jesus, Buddha, St. Francis, you know, where do they live on the Enneagram, right? I go, in the middle of that white field Hmm. where all of a sudden they have transcended type, their own type, and moved into a space where the energy, the gifts uh, of all those types now that surround them, right? that they begin to embody and manifest the gifts of those types in their proper titrated way in any particular moment. Um, What do you think of that?
0: (laughs) Yeah. I do see... um the Enneagram type as your ego type. I forget if I mentioned this before or if we, since we've been recording, but I do think that the ego means I, right? So I am this, but I'm not that. Um, and so for me, largely about how your virtue kind of comes forth is about holding who I think I am, my idealized self-image, and who I'm definitely not. So I'm not disruptive. I'm peaceful. I'm peaceful. And when I can hold that tension of of, of opposites, um, I think what comes forward is, is for me, for is right action. Um, it is this ability to be, as we've been saying, it's an unwillingness to be affected. So it's now an ability to be affected. And this is largely about getting angry. Um, this is a really scary thing because to be angry is to be embodied. Mm-hmm. And how I have usually described anger for me at my craziest is I feel like I could lift a car and throw it across the room. Hmm. I feel like I am 50 people all in one and my exertion level could just go on forever. And um, I think this is what you were alluding to Ian. Uh, um, a couple years ago, uh, a family member of mine um they were going through something that was really, really weird and painful and and not okay, absolutely not okay. I think all the body types are justice oriented, and um, when someone is not accepted as who they are, when they're when they're misunderstood, when the reputation is thrown through the mud, um, that kind of thing pisses me off. It sets me off, and this is a, and this was a really close person uh, of of mine, and there was just a couple of other things that were um, confusing that that happened and then something went down and it set me off and it was not okay and I remember um, I had to leave my house because at this point in time, the anger was becoming so great inside me. I was becoming so passionate. I knew I need to be smart and leave the house and so I drove down the street to a a parking lot and I called um, three people. The first one, I called my, my best friend, and I uh, just exploded on him. And he'd been my best friend for 10 years, I think, at the time. And he's never, ever seen that level of Seth. And and it was intense. I was pounding on my steering wheel. I was yelling and, and screaming and I was just absolutely furious. And I don't know if I've ever um reached this level of Seth before. Um and it was the next day and I was just it was kind of just hitting me like, man, that was a little different level I went to. That was really weird and awkward. And I maybe I should call that guy to see how he's doing after that experience. And and I called him and and I just asked him, Man, I almost feel like I should apologize, but how was that for you? And he said, Dude, don't don't apologize. I have never seen you more alive. Mm-hmm. And that was another marking moment for me of anger's not bad. It's scary only because I'm not used to it. Um, mm. But that is, man, where is my anger? If I'm trying to control, I'm angry about something. If I'm passively aggressive, I'm angry about something. Where is my anger? What am I avoiding? If I'm avoiding something, I'm angry. And my anger is how I tap into me becoming the rest of who I am.
1: Mm. Well, could we end at a better place? Very I think good. not. <laughs> By the way, but when you first told that story, when I first heard you tell that story, mm. I was so moved, mm-hmm, mm. so moved. In fact, that it is in my new book.
0: Wow, it's in the chapter on nines.
1: <laughs> uh, Seth kindly allowed me to to use that story. It's Love one of my. That. It's actually probably my favorite story about nines. Wow. Uh, uh, as a sort of a, a story of hope and the possibility of transformation. Mm. And also to, to reassure us, the half nines know this when you show up like that, contrary to what you predict, you become so beautiful mm-hmm. and attractive mm. and yes. magnetic in mm. the eyes of others because it's like all of a sudden everyone goes, oh, wait a minute, Seth, there you are. There you are.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: And your voice, your, 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 your asserting yourself and you're giving voice to what matters to you and you don't care if this causes conflict or whatever you're you are showing up for life and it's so awesome it's so beautiful you know
0: totally i would just finish and say that we train we train people not to to value us Um, Mm. by how we don't Mm. show up Mm. and when we can get angry and when we can share our opinions people will start to include us we get pissed off when people don't include us but that's because we've told them how to do that Uh, so if you want to have an impact and if you want to be respected you got to show up Mm. and that's that's about that's about getting angry where are you where is that where is it in your body where are you holding tension Mm. you're angry man you are (laughs) whether you know it or not (laughs)
1: So, thank you so much. Um, earlier in the show, we told people about your podcast, Fathoms, about integrated enneagram. We're going to direct people in the show notes to go check that stuff out. Thank will you. you. Will you come back on? I'd love to. I'd be
0: honored. Thank when you. Yes. I had
1: such a fun time, and, and I, me I, too, I, man. I hope it brought you as much life as it, as it did to me. So, yeah. And, uh, Typology listeners, uh, again, as always, uh, hear these words: May you have love. May you have joy. May you have peace may you have healing may you have rest until next time